This sermon, A Far Better Place, was preached by Derek Overstreet on Sunday, June 6, 2021 at Sovereign Grace Church. Well, as I said earlier, it's, it's good to be here, isn't it? As a Christian, there is no greater privilege than gathering together on a Sunday in this way. Uh, the Lord's grace is unique, and uh, we get to experience it in abundant ways that we just can't when we're not to get gathered together as his people. It's good to be here. Of course, this morning, uh, if you're like me, you're acutely aware of someone who's not with us today. Uh, it is good to see Julie Franck here and her brother Mark. Uh, welcome, Mark. Uh, but of course, as most of you probably know, Dave is not with us this morning. Uh, Thursday morning at 5.15 a.m. in the comfort of his own home, Dave Lynn Franck, or as many of you might know him, the Frogman, or according to Julie, if you're in Ohio, the Frog Guy, he passed and left his body, left this world to be with his Lord and Savior. I do want you to know that Julie has expressed to me on more than one occasion what a blessing that you as a church have been uh, to her and Dave, and in particular to her over these past couple days. Beginning with the Aranda community group, uh, she has been overwhelmed by your kindness, by your love, by your servanthood toward her and toward Dave. And I know she would want me to, I know that's not adequate <laughs> to express her gratitude towards you guys, but I want you to know how grateful she is. And I want you to know that, that Julie has been doing well. Uh, the text this morning is 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, verses 13 and 14. We're going to read that in a moment. But I want you to know right up front that this idea that Scripture puts forth with, to us of, of mourning over the loss of a loved one with hope and joy, uh, Julie has really modeled that. Uh, and so, by the grace of God and in the mercy of God only, uh, she is doing very well. But still, if you're like me, uh, you've been experiencing a bit of a paradox this weekend, right? Uh, the sorrow of losing a dear brother uh, intermingled with the joy of knowing where that dear brother is. And depending on the moment of the day, um, you, you may be more aware of one than the other. So this morning, this morning we're going to look into God's Word uh, for peace and for comfort. The Bible may not tell us everything that we want to know about death, but it does tell us what God wants us to know about death. And that's enough for our peace and our comfort, isn't it? So would you open up your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, we're going to read this morning together verses 13 to 18, um, but we'll really be limiting ourselves to the first two verses, verses 13 and 14. Um, so if you would stand with me, let's read this together. 
1 Thessalonians 4, beginning in verse 13. Paul writes this to the church in Thessalonica. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You may be seated. Please pray. We ask for your help now, Holy Spirit, as we celebrate our beloved brother, friend, Julie's husband, Mark's brother-in-law. He was a grandpa. He was someone's child. He was an uncle, a nephew. But above all things, he was your precious child. So as we look into your word to inform and shape how we think about Dave's passing. Lord, we pray that that Dave will be honored and that you will be glorified and our eyes will be lifted up to our Lord and Savior, who one day we too will be with. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to walk through these first two verses this morning and then... We will take the remainder of our time and talk about three ways that that these verses speak to Dave's reality even right now at this moment. If you're not familiar with the book of 1 Thessalonians, according to Acts 17, Paul, along with Silas, planted the church in Thessalonica. It was during his second missionary journey, and it was probably sometime around 48 A.D., And now Paul is penning this letter two years later. This letter was probably written somewhere around 50 AD. He's he's writing, Paul is writing this letter to instruct the new church on uh, numerous aspects of the Christian life. But the main theme of 1 Thessalonians is the return of Jesus. In fact, Uh, The book has five chapters, and in every chapter, Paul mentions the return of Christ. And in our text in particular today, we learn that, that there were those in this small church that were struggling with what to think about and how to respond to the death of fellow believers in their church, people that they loved, that they lived life with that they laughed with, that they sang with, that they served with, just like Dave 
in our church. You'll notice what he says in verse 13. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Like us today, this small church family experienced death in their midst. And Paul, like everything else in life, he wants them to connect what they are thinking and what they are feeling with truth. He wants to give them, in a sense, assurance of the ones who are no longer with them. Assurance that really, as we will find, gives way to hopefulness and joy, even in a time which is naturally very sorrowful and difficult. You'll notice in verse 13 that that Paul uses the word sleep. Did you catch that? He used the word sleep instead of died. And in the first century, sleep was a common metaphor for death. And in fact, in the, in the, uh, in the pagan culture, death was uh, viewed as a hopeless and meaningless perpetual sleep. Sayings like, hopes are for the living. The dead are without hope. And I was not, I became not, I am not, I care not. Those captured the pagan beliefs, their perspective on death. This thinking even today is reflected in the words of people like uh, the well-known atheist Richard Dawkins who, who has said, religion teaches the dangerous nonsense that death is not the end. Well, Paul understood death. In his writings, he called death our last enemy. In Romans 6, he, Romans 6, Romans 3, I can't remember exactly which one, Romans 6, he, he, called, he called death the wages of sin. We, we know where death came from. It made its debut in the garden as judgment for sin. Paul understood death, but he also had a very different view of what death meant for the believer. Again, verse 13, notice what he says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Then he says this, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Notice that Paul doesn't say, do not grieve over death. He doesn't say that. He's trying to inform them about how to think about their loved ones who have passed on. And he doesn't say, no grieving. He doesn't say, grieving is not allowed. He says, grieve as those without hope. Better put in the positive, grieve as those with hope. As Christians, to grieve or not to grieve is not the question. The question is how do we grieve? And our perspective on death and what it means for the believer informs how we grieve. So to be clear, Paul is not prohibiting sorrow here for the believer. In fact, he assumes it. 
Paul understands death is difficult. Death takes people that we love and that we can never replace away from us. We grieve because we love and the person that we love is no longer here. And that hurts our hearts, doesn't it? Death hurts. So grieving, even in the, in the words of Paul, grieving is natural. Grieving is necessary. Grieving, grieving is good. Even Jesus himself, even Jesus himself grieved over the death of his friend, Lazarus. So as Christians, we, this, this text teaches us that, that, that we need to be real about grief. God did not create us as Stoics. Grieving is good, but it's good as long as it's not alone. You see what Paul said there? Look at verse 13 again. That you may not grieve as others do who have no Translation is this, Christians grieve with great hope. Christians grieve the loss of a loved one, the loss of a brother, the loss of a friend with hope and even joy. Paul reminds us here that grieving is not, we grieve, but, we, but we're not hopeless. We're, we're sorrowful, but we're not despairing. There's a paradox in death that Paul presents here. Our hearts are filled with mourning for our brother Dave. While at the same time, they are bubbling with joy. How is that possible? How is that possible? Notice verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. You see what Paul's doing here? In instructing this small church about the ones that they have lived the gospel life with and are now gone, he appeals to the gospel. He begins with, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And that means something. It means something as we think and feel and respond even to, even to the loss of loved ones. Paul helps us understand the point here in 1 Corinthians 15, 23. You don't have to turn there, but if you're familiar with that verse, that's where Paul Paul talks about Jesus as the first fruits. That simply means that he's the pattern. He's the pattern that, we, that every believer, everyone who is united to him by grace through faith, will follow. And so what that means is that if, if the grave could not hold Jesus down, then guess what? The grave won't hold his people down because we follow in his Footsteps. He is our first fruits. And this was really important. Paul, Paul uh, wanted this small church to get this because in a way that we don't today, the first century church 
the first century believers, they, they lived daily with this real conviction, this real conviction that Christ would return in their lifetime. And part of uh, this section of First Thessalonians, Paul is helping them understand that this concern that they had, these, these Christians were concerned that the ones who have died already, they won't be here when Christ returns. Does that mean that they're going to miss out? Does that mean that they won't be with Jesus? Because when Christ returns for us, they will have already passed. And, and Paul's answer here in this section is absolutely not. Paul, in a sense, says because Christ lives, because we believe he died and he was raised, the spirit of those who died before his return, they, following in his pattern, they now live with him. They're not going to miss anything. In fact, did you, that, that, that's the clear implication of fact as we, in this second half of the passage in verses 15 through 17, I don't know if you caught it, but he said that their spirits are with Christ in essence, and, and they, their bodies will be raised when, Christ, when Jesus returns. Their spirits will return with Christ. In other words, they're, they're not going to miss Christ. They're already with him, and they'll be coming back with him. They're not missing anything. So what we can see here in this passage is that far from religious nonsense or a hopeless perpetual sleep, physical death becomes the doorway that takes us from the temporary blessings of the gospel that we all experienced with Dave in different ways. Takes us from that to the inexpressible gospel blessings of the eternal life. That Dave, right now, is experiencing. Here's what Paul's words in these two verses mean for our friend and brother Dave. And here's why we can mourn with great hope and joy. Number one, Dave is with Jesus right now. Don't let those words pass through your ears too quickly. Dave, your husband, your brother-in-law, your friend and brother, he is with Christ right now. Dave is in the same group, and I believe we will all be too one day, as these believers that, these, that, that the believers in Thessalonica were concerned about, the ones who passed out, of the, passed out of this life before Christ's return, and the implication of Dave returning with Jesus. Dave's now in this group that Paul says they'll be returning with Christ. Dave will be returning with Christ. 
That means he's with Jesus right now. Dave loved Jesus, didn't he? He didn't want to be away from Jesus. If you talked with him, particularly over the past year, you knew, you know that Dave wanted to be with Jesus. Dave loved his wife, Julie. And talking to Julie over the past year, she told me stories about how often Dave, if he was in the hospital, would say, well, what about my wife? He always wanted to make sure his wife was taken care of. Dave loved Julie. He loved his family. He would brag on his grandson and his baseball skills. He loved his family, and he loved you. I heard many times how much of a blessing you were to him. Dave loved a lot of things. He loved the Detroit Tigers. A month ago, I went over, and I'm a Yankees fan, but I went over and we watched the Yankees play the Tigers. And the Yankees won 11 nothing. But a couple weeks later, they played again. And this time, the Tigers swept the Yankees. And he was very gracious. He wasn't firing off texts. But, but when he realized his Tigers had swept my Yankees, he did send me a gif of a broom. That was Dave. He loved his Detroit Tigers. When he got his special Detroit Tigers hat, right, he sent me a picture. It said, what does it say, Dave? 24, and he called it the Royal D or something like that. I told him there's no chance he was getting, to, getting into heaven with that hat on. And if he wanted me to, I'd send him a Yankees hat. His theology was right. He said, I don't need your Yankees hat. I got Jesus. He loved his Detroit Tigers. He loved his Marines. If you ever called him and left a message, you got the Marine song, right? He served our country well. He loved the Marines. Dave loved his Corvettes. And I got to drive his one time. And it was pristine. I never did tell him where I went and how I drove it, but <laughs> Julie said, I'll go ahead, Derek. He loved his Corvettes. And Dave, do I have my frog with me? Where's my frog? Would you get my frog, please, babe? It's on my desk. It's a... No, go get mine, would you, please? Thank you. <laughs> it's a special frog to me. Dave loved his frogs. Anybody remember what that stands for? Belt it out. Yes. Fully rely on God. You know, he was giving those out at the hospital. I went to the hospital visit one time, and she had it hanging off of her name tag. Now, there's a lot of grace in Dave's life to rely on God as he knew his life was winding down. Is that it? It's a live one.
He loved his frogs. Dave loved his frogs. What I love about Dave's love for frogs was that it wasn't just about frogs. He had a perspective. When he saw a frog, he saw something of the character of God, that God was faithful, that God was dependable, that you could fully rely on him. That's what a frog meant. A simple frog drew the thoughts in the eyes of Dave upward to his Lord and Savior, and he used that to do the same for everybody he met. Dave loved his frogs. But above all, Dave loved Jesus. The forgiver of his sins. The provider of his righteousness. The lover of his soul. Above all, Dave loved Jesus. And the moment he breathed his last breath at 5.15 in the morning, Thursday, in the privacy of his own home, he found himself with Jesus. He immediately went to be with Jesus. So the Bible teaches us. That's what Paul told, taught the Corinthians. To be away from the body for the believer is to be at home with the Lord. His spirit right now. His spirit right now is in the presence of his Savior. And that is what makes heaven heaven, isn't it? Jesus is there. That's what makes heaven heaven. No sorrow, no no more suffering. But we could have all that we wanted, ever dreamed of. But if Jesus isn't there, it's not heaven. It might be some personal utopia, but it's not heaven. And right now, Dave is with Jesus. And that informs our grieving. That brings hope and joy even in the midst of grieving. The second thing that that these verses in 1 Thessalonians say about Dave is that because Dave is with Jesus now, he is perfect in holiness now. Who here this week has experienced the temptation to be disloyal to the Lord? To love this world more than you love God. Right? Everywhere we go, everything we do, sinful desires as we have been learning in James, they are right there with us, pulling our heart to sin. And if you're like me, far too often I do. I'm so grateful that, that I stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And not my own. 
Well, that battle, that war, it's gone for Dave. It doesn't exist anymore. What you and I will walk out of this room and and experience this week, that temptation, that powerful pull to forsake our Savior and live for self, to build a kingdom for ourselves instead of giving ourselves to the kingdom of God, that is gone for David. Dave's spirit has been perfected in the presence of his Savior. Hebrews 12 verse 22 says, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and in innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and then listen to what he says, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. The spirits of the righteous made perfect are the souls of those who are with Jesus until he returns. And we see that clearly in 1 Thessalonians 4.14. That's Dave right now. His soul perfected in righteousness, free from sin in the presence of Christ. David isn't just free from sorrow and suffering. He's no longer struggling with the temptations of this world. Dave is no longer committing sin. Dave is free from the possibility of committing sin. Think about this. His motives, thoughts, words, he is in perfect harmony with the will of God. Dave is perfect in holiness right now. So we can grieve with great joy and hope. The final thing is that because Dave is with Jesus now, he is experiencing glory now. He's not in a holding tank, he's not being processed. He was processed 2,000 years ago at the cross of Jesus Christ. He is experiencing glory. You know what 2 Corinthians 4, 17, it says that our light and momentary afflictions are preparing us for what? For an eternal weight of glory. Dave is experiencing that eternal weight of glory right now. He is in heaven, the place like no other place, because it is the place God makes his blessings and glory most fully and intensely known. Heaven is the believer's home where they experience God in all his radiance. And Dave is there. The presence of his Savior perfected in his spirit and experiencing glory. His faith, his sight, his prayers 
are now praise. Endless praise. And as his soul awaits being united with his body at the return of Christ, Dave has never been more alive. He's never been more vigorous, more energetic, more active, more overwhelmed with joy and awe. He is doing right now. He is doing what he was created to do. Worship and glorify and enjoy the Lord. We grieve death's, Dave's death with joy and hope because we know that Dave is with Jesus, experiencing his Savior's glory in full perfection right now. And one day, when Christ returns, Dave will be with him. And you, and you, and us will be reunited. Whatever that's going to look like. We will join him in the perfected presence of our Lord and Savior. Listen, grief, death hurts. It's okay. Oh, but what joy and hope covers that which hurts our hearts. No wonder Paul in Philippians 1 said, to be with Christ is what? Far better. Listen, we already missed Dave. I was checking some scores Saturday. Detroit popped up, and guess who popped into my mind? My friend Dave. It hurts, but that hurt is clothed in the joy of knowing where Dave is and who he is with. What does this mean for us today? I think two things. We celebrate Dave. First, we mourn. We mourn Dave's death with the hope of Christ. Dave fought the good fight of faith. By grace, he persevered to the end with his eyes fixed on Jesus, and his eyes were fixed on Jesus, weren't they, Julie? And as hard as it is to lose him now, we take joy in his new life with Jesus. So we mourn with great hope and joy. Second, I think this is exactly what Dave would hope for. We allow God to work in our hearts. We allow God, in a difficult time, to work in our hearts. Do you know what the writer of Ecclesiastes tells us? He tells us that God has put a sense of eternity into a man's heart. And death has a way... (laughs) of bringing that sense to the surface, doesn't it? We were singing about the songs this morning we sung were just such a clear reminder of, of the frailty of this life. Life is indeed but a midst, and the Lord and the Lord only knows when he will bring us home. Nobody is guaranteed tomorrow 
or this afternoon for that matter. So let me ask you this. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Dave is with Jesus now because he had a relationship with Jesus in this life. Hebrews 9.27 says that man is appointed once to die once and be judged. To be judged for their life. To be judged for their sin before a holy God. Scripture also teaches us that we are thoroughly guilty (laughs) and there isn't a great enough defense that we can claim to get us out of that judgment which will be expressed in eternal punishment. But do you, did you know that those words are right smack dab in the middle of the writer talking about how Jesus is the once for all sacrifice that takes away the sin of man. Jesus came and lived and died a death that atoned for the sin of sinners. He hung on a cross and and he didn't just suffer physically, but but God saw fit to, to put our sin on his shoulders and then proceed to dole out the judgment for that sin. That's what it means when when you hear the song, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all at the cross. And the only reason why Dave is with Jesus now, instead of his spirit being in the torments of hell, is because his sins were paid by Jesus. That's the gospel. It's, in one sense, a very simple message. And at some point in Dave's life, the Spirit of God moved on his heart and moved him to a place of recognizing what a sinner that he was and seeing that his only hope before a holy God was to bow his heart to Jesus. Romans 10 says it like this. You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's not a prayer. It's a disposition of the heart that only comes through the merciful work of the Holy Spirit. And if that has never happened in your heart, I encourage you, let this be the day. Let let Dave's death be the doorway for you into the life that he is now experiencing in heaven. It's simple. You don't have to understand all the doctrines of the Bible. You don't have to understand what the difference is between 
being Reformed or Arminian. You don't need to understand any of that. You simply need to come to a place where you recognize, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Life is fleeting. Life is short. And if I have to stand before God on my own, I cannot give a defense. But Christ is my defense. His righteousness stands before the throne of God in my place. Jesus, who took my sin and who provides my righteousness, he is my rock. He is my shelter on judgment day. That's why Dave is with Jesus now. Do you know Jesus? Do you know the one that Dave is with right now? If you don't, come talk to me after the service. Talk to your parents for you younger ones. Because, as I said before, no one is guaranteed another second. And as the writer of Hebrews says, we die once. There are no second chances. Man is appointed to die once and be judged. Will you come to Jesus this morning? Will you bow your hearts? Will you bow your hearts to him in faith and repentance and receive eternal life? So that when your time does come, like Dave, you will be with Jesus. If you do know Jesus, how does God want to use Dave's death to work in your heart? Gratefulness, contentment. Does he want to do a work of making you more joyful? not in how life is going or how this world is going or how politics are happening, but in simply knowing this truth that in Christ one day you will be with him? Is there a sin that you continue to give yourself to? Are your priorities all messed up? You're seeking your own kingdom instead of the kingdom of God. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in your heart. I don't know what's going on in your life. But whatever it is, allow Dave's death to be an opportunity for the Spirit of God to work in your heart. And though you have given yourself in faith and repentance for salvation to the Lord, give yourself in repentance as we have seen in James and faith for change. Dave is with Jesus, perfected in his presence, sharing in his glory. So while we mourn, we have much joy and hope.